there's not much glory around Old Trafford at the moment. Is this a full-blown crisis? Three genuine football fans examine the problems. Good evening. Welcome to an in-depth look at the awful start Manchester United have suffered in the Premier League this season. Tonight we're going to try, as pure United supporters, plus a Liverpool supporter, to add a bit of spice to the discussions, to find out what's gone wrong at the club. Joining me tonight is Rick Hyatt, who is a lifelong Manchester United supporter as well as I am, and also Hilda Pryor, of course, who's our, one of our football team, uh, but he supports Liverpool, but we thought he might add a little bit of uh, spice to the discussions. Well, good evening, boys. Um, I can't really believe we're having to do this show. It's like a bad dream, the ultimate bad dream. But, uh, Rick, what are you, what's your initial thoughts on the situation before we start to dissect it all? Uh, it's... How long have you got? <laughs> yeah, it's part of the process. It's what needs to happen for people that have been unaware of the extent of the damage that these people have done to United. It's just, it's what needs to happen. It's painful, it's horrible, but it, yeah, it's part of the process. What do you think as a Liverpool supporter, Dave? Well, I mean, obviously I'm going to sit back and enjoy it because I'm sure with, when I put it the other way around and it's Liverpool having the same situation, you would be doing the same. That's just obviously just, you know, how, yeah. how football works. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I would say just quickly, which we obviously we will touch on it in detail, it's the whole premise of the show, is that my my feeling going into it is that there is a lot of people who are sort of getting away with um, this kind of level of performance that United are putting in, both on and off the field, because all the talk has obviously been about the Glazers, and quite rightly so, because everything does start at the top. But the, the amount of players that aren't putting a shift in, which, I don't know, I feel like their performances are sort of being hidden behind the ownership. So Gary Neville, who I always think speaks really well, because he's obviously well-connected with the club and so passionate about it, I'm assuming you boys probably saw the exchange with Jamie Redknapp. And yeah. Yeah, I did think Jamie made a good point when he was like, well, there are players out there who just weren't performing, Gary. You are aware of that, right? And he was like, it was all glazer, glazer, glazer. And I think maybe I'm doing a disservice because I didn't see all the piece, but I do think sometimes people like Gary and the media kind of drum that off-the-field stuff so much that the on-field stuff does kind of get, I don't know, almost like a free pass when it should be all of it. And I get that, like I say, it does come from the top, but I think there does have to be a little bit of responsibility from from everybody involved. That's just how I see it looking in. But obviously, you guys are fans. You watch it more than I do in a lot more detail. You may be sort of in more agreement with, with G-Nev than, than I am. 
Well, well, let's look at the, the the owners, the Glazers. I mean, I've got them top of the list because they are quite clearly public enemy number one. Um, they take out millions of pounds in dividends from the club. They've hardly put a penny into the club. Um, it's the whole situation is morally wrong, and I'm surprised that it's lasted as long as it has. In all honesty, what do you think, Rick? Uh, it does stem from the top, and uh, it was. A leveraged takeover, which these days can't happen, should never have been allowed to happen. So far, you said they've hardly put a penny in. They haven't put a single penny of their own money into the football club. All they've done is take take money out of it. The other thing about it being a leveraged takeover, which, were, although it was legal, was there were a few loopholes and things you had to jump through. The bloke who was in charge of that was a whiz kid banker who knew all about banking. Ed Woodward knew nothing about football, still, to my knowledge, knows nothing about football. But because he'd uh, managed to get the Glazers into a situation where they could manipulate finances to buy the club, he became, they appointed him CEO. And that's, from a purely football club point of view, forget the, the legal thing is a shambles and a disgrace anyway. But from a football club point of view, why would you put, you wouldn't put the head of Lloyds in charge of Liverpool or Man City or Chelsea or anyone? Why would, why would you give him the keys to that? And it's people, it, the, 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 hopefully the thing that comes out of the situation at the now, that United are in now and the, um, the way people are examining things and looking at the details of it is all the things that other people may not have known was going on will come to public light. Not that you'll shame them. These people are shameless and all they're interested in is is what they can take out of United. It's got nothing to do with football whatsoever. But a lot of people have said, Graham Sooners has been banging on when he's not hating on Paul Pogba. The main crux of his argument is the fact that, oh, they've given you money to spend. No, they haven't. It's money that Manchester United have generated. It's not their money. And if you put that money in the hands of people that don't know how to spend it effectively... You might as well flush it down the toilet, which, in effect, is 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 what they've done. And they, you can say, oh, you've paid, they've spent so much on transfers. But if you were to take somebody from League Two, spend uh, £45 million bringing them into your club, does that make them a £45 million footballer? United have paid over the odds for the players that they've got for so long that you can, you can look at the outgoings. And uh, it doesn't reflect the quality of the players they've got in. And they've been chasing Instagram likes and social media likes and stuff for so long. If you have uh, people who know something about football involved in making the football decisions, which is what United had before with, with Fergie, who isn't blameless in this whole situation, and David Gill running the club, you take those two away, put in charge David Moyes, who was like a rabbit in the headlights initially, and also add that together with uh, Ed Woodward and you get a situation that you that you've got now it's it's just how how can and it's it's right from the it's right from the top all the appointments united have not made one decent appointment or or an appointment that they've backed up fully since the glazers have been in charge they they paid uh they just Flattered to deceive in a lot of ways. You appoint Mourinho, but you don't follow him through. I'm not a big fan of Jose Mourinho. But while he was at the club, he was continually moaning about the whole process of getting transfers through and 
the state of players he's got. And guess what? He was right. But doesn't so, this doesn't some of this though, Rick? Uh, you know, hinge back onto the directors as well because they've got a place, part to play in all this. They are directors of the football club, and as such, they yeah, should be the making sure the football clubs run efficiently. Yeah, yes, man. The Glazers aren't going to appoint. We're, we're never going to appoint anybody that knew anything about football. What they see is they don't see. But to you, and me, and Dave will understand it. It's your football club. You love your football club, and you support them through thick and thin. To them, Definitely. it's an asset, and mm-hmm. what they're doing. In the in in the crudest terms, is asset stripping. Hmm. They're getting United as much as they can squeeze out of out of United, and until they can't get any more out, they ain't going anywhere. And and in the meantime, it's even even people that don't support United have got bored with it now. The fun of laughing at United is gone. It's yeah. it's sad. It's it's not even it's not sport for anyone because there's no resistance. Well. Let's move on to the. Uh, we've touched on the directors. I, I don't know what more you could say about them. I mean, I think the fact that David Gill is back in the building, um, I wonder just how much he's getting involved. I mean, you know, we're we're just grassroots supporters. We don't really know some of the things that are going on up there. Um, I would have thought that they would have been calling on David Gill's experience um, and wise counsel because he's he's pretty switched on bloke and he certainly didn't make the sort of mistakes when he was in charge up there, that, that United have been making now. But what about Amalek? Yeah, but transfers didn't, transfers didn't go through quickly. The United have been notoriously bad in the transfer market, or certainly in the process of negotiating transfers, for years. Mm. You look at the business that City and Liverpool do, the first you hear of it is when that player signs. United yeah. have a three-month run-up to it, and then they pay twice what they intended price the, to get that player through the door. So it's a shambles. Dave, any, any comments to add? No, not really. I mean, not, not to, to, to sort of add to, to what has already been spoken about. Um, just to sort of add, really, I guess, um, to what you said is we spoke a lot on the podcast about how um, a lot of people have been saying about how it's going to take two, three, four years, five years to properly sort out and put you back where you want to be. I know both of you boys have sort of been quite vocal in thinking that whether it should take that long, um, will it take that long? Have you changed your opinion on how long it's going to take to get back to how it used to be? Or were you, I don't want to say victims, because maybe that's not the right word, but you had such a special manager in Ferguson and those kind of types don't really come along anymore. We Did you just have a really good period, but it lasted for a longer than maybe people realise and that's, this is just kind of where you are now. I don't I don't know, because obviously you are a massive football club. During that time in the 90s, you pretty much stamped your authority globally as being the number one club. Um, football evolves, doesn't it? The longer that um, Manchester City don't start dominating football, if they can still do it for the next 10, 15, 20 years, is eventually the global brand that Manchester United still have as a stronger kind of you know, economic pull as well, in the next 15 to 20 years, longer term, is it, is the balance all going to shift? You're in such a crucial situation at the moment. And if I could just bring it back to the game itself, obviously, it's you two as supporters. Was this weekend the worst it's been, that 4-0 mm-hmm. to Brentford? Cool. I know there has been some hammerings in there along the way, but is it because... I'm just saying because it's the start of the season, you obviously had a pre-season... And you've got that little bit of optimis- 
optimism because it's a clean slate and everybody starts again. Has this been the most alarming because it's been so soon after the season kicking off? Well, yeah, it has to be. I mean, the, the pre-season, for what it's worth, wasn't that bad. And, and I must admit, I certainly went into the season expecting better things than we've had. You know, we, we, we won them all except for the game against uh, um, Aston Villa and Rayo Vallecarta or whatever they're called. And, um, you know, we didn't lose a game and things were going quite nicely. Then suddenly you get this. But, it, I mean, it comes back to the manager then. Let's talk about the manager. We've had, over the years since Fergie resigned, we've had, um, you know, some of the top managers in the game, basically. Louis Vallejo, Jose Mourinho, um, you know. All of those managers, though, Adrian, all of those managers, if you look at their careers, apart from... David Moyes, who basically the job was too big for him, but you'd only find that out by giving him the job. If you, those other managers you've named, you look at their career curve, and the time they take the United job, they're on the way down. They're not at their peak. So mm. they weren't appointed when they should have been appointed. They were appointed on the way down. And yeah. Louis van Gaal gets an easy ride on this. As a manager, he did more damage on the playing side than a lot of people realise, because a lot of the players he sold I'd still have there now. Mm. He ran United ragged against Brighton. He single-handedly led the line and was outstanding. Oh, someone that uh, Louis van Gaal sold. Yeah. So it's, football decisions have been bad all the way through. But if you put the wrong people in making those decisions, and also if you don't back them, if you're going to appoint someone, you back him. I mean, the one thing that Ten Hag's done, it all depends. His success depends on how much the club are prepared to buy into what he does and take a hands-off situation and let him run with it because there was no um pre-planning he basically what they've done since the man got through the door is they've raided his phone book every player that's come in is someone that's under his recommendation why have united not got a, a plan in place as to what they want because there's no football people there doing it and one thing that he did do that i did like was yesterday he had him in training again yeah. the day after that debacle mm. and the the first thing he did was make him, the difference in distance covered by United and um, Brentford. Uh, Brentford was he, United ran about two thirds the distance that Brentford did. So uh, first thing Ten Hag did was get him running that distance. To it's make so it alarming to have to do that on the second day weekend it's of the season, boy. isn't it? I I get huge anxiety now that. You'll beat Liverpool one 0 next week. <laughs> well, that's that's what you don't want, isn't it? After you've got these two performances that United have had, who's on the horizon? The bloody bin dippers. That, that's shocking. They, just they on that, annihilate United normally. Just on that, Rick. Though, what what does is there is there a situation now that just for argument's sake, you were to beat Liverpool, that yeah. some people might use that to Absolutely. hide what happens? Is that a danger 100%. now? 100%. I'm not saying you want to lose to Liverpool because, of course, no. you boys do not want to lose. No. But are you sort of in a situationally no-win situation, regardless if yeah. you do win? Well, this is what's happened all the way through the, the Glacier's tenure, is is that little successes have deflected things. And it's a cheap shot to say that, oh, suddenly, all of a sudden, because you lose, suddenly fans are waking up and protesting. I think you'll find that there were green and gold protests when United were uh, Premier League champions when the Glaciers were there. So the people that know have seen what a cancerous bunch of individuals this family are. And uh, 
have seen it from a long way. All that's happened now is, 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 is out there. It's in plain sight. It's I undemo- do have a quick question just on that, because I, I don't really know quite so well, because um, when they first took over, it was Malcolm Glazer who was the head, wasn't he? And he's since passed away. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask if you boys do know, um, was there any difference in ownership from when Malcolm obviously passed away and then it was taken on by the next person? Was there a sort of significant change in approach approach at that point? No. Or was it just very much the same? Nothing at all. They just all shunted up one in the pecking order. That's all. It's exactly the same model as it was before. Do absolutely nothing. Take so it was like it wasn't like oh, Malcolm was doing something in a certain way. He was now... doing nothing. He was totally. Yeah. As soon as the deal went through, nothing at all. Wasn't involved at all. And Joel Glazer, who's currently the head of the uh, the family, is so far from what I can see. His sole contribution is to put Anthony Martial on a contract that they've been there a while, there haven't they? Because when was it? Two thousand and. Or 2005, something like that. So did, I guess it's because at the moment there's a lot going on both on the field and off the field. So when you had that, so what I'm trying to say is Ferguson would have had, what, six, seven years with the Glazers. Was there any sort of animosity that he came out in the press or anything and say that there was some friction between them or was it just ran a little bit differently because obviously Ferguson probably would have had a lot more control on everything because he was he was the man I, I just wondered if there was any I think I think sort of, Fergie was there any difference with Ferguson being there I don't think he wanted to rock the boat because he knew you know he, he was getting the money he wanted for transfers um so I suppose he, he didn't want to upset the apple cart too much. So but he, he knew he, exactly what he wanted as well, didn't he? And well, he yeah, didn't spend... Yeah. He'd have one or two targets a season, and that was all you needed, I guess, back then. Yeah. Wow, that's it. Up, whereas, yeah. whereas now, you'd probably still argue you could probably do with another player in every position, and then that's not even that's not even an understatement, is it? No, mm. no. Not, not at all, not at all. But but I I just wonder that you know the the managers down the line and and even Tang Hag have got a price to pay to a degree. I mean, taking Saturday, <coughs> first off, he made three changes at half time, um, which involved bringing on uh, Varane, who is six foot plus. I think I'm right in saying, uh, McTominay, and who was the third one? Oh, the uh, the, the new fullback. Um, What's his name? Oh, Malaysia. Malaysia, that's it. Um, now, I thought he had a quite a good game when he came on, personally. I don't know what you thought, Rick. but, but um, That in to Luke Shaw, who uh, would rather be with his England chums than at United. Mm, yeah. But, yeah. but <clears throat> he didn't really change tactics at all. I mean, we did seem to get hold of the midfield a bit more and we were a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, but Adrian, Adrian you say that. He didn't change tactics at all. Uh he came out after the game and said that the tactics that he did put in in the first place, nobody listened to. Nobody took any notice. They mm. did what they always do, revert to type. So you can't... you uh, Unless you actually are witness to those documents or that meeting where he said it, what happens on the pitch, as far as I can see, is no representation of Eric Ten Hag because they're doing what they want to do, like mm. they always have done. Yeah, well, that comes... It's not reflected on it. That comes back to... to um... I mean, we get to the players in a minute, but that comes back to, to the captain. Captain should be making sure that the 
the plans are put into place if he knows what they are, which presumably he if does. If United had a captain, he would do. Yeah, but we haven't got a captain of any haven't, sense, haven't we? we? Been saying, haven't we been saying this for all the other managers, though? Like, there's a sort of... An, you could probably argue with all the managers in there that a lot of the players possibly just didn't take into whatever the methods were, and you've had all sorts of different types, as Rick's alluded to. Like, at what point do you then... Like, I, I understand that how football works, so the only thing that they can really do at that point is obviously change the manager because they'll fill a different voice or something. You can't sack all 11 yeah. players, you know, as they say. But it's such a difficult one with United to try and work out who the person is to blame because now you look at it and you're like, well, maybe did Ollie do that bad? Did he deserve to get the sack when he did? Maybe did they just weren't responding to him, but it wasn't him. They just had their own bubble that they were doing, that they were working towards, and they didn't particularly care, which is a damning indictment for a club like Manchester United. But is that just where we are? But you look, you look at Fergie's first title-winning side. He went about it in the right way for the longevity of United. The characters, I'm going to turn into Roy Keane here, but the characters he had in that team, and without wanting to be um, one of the Cray brothers in Legend, he had real men. Proper men. Mark Hughes, Steve Bruce, um, Brian Robson, Roy King. Yeah. Pallister, those types. People, people who combined, they were good footballers, but they've also got that bit of grit, determination, still, will to win, that this bunch, this bunch don't. And then you could, what you can do, as, as the team gradually evolves, that blueprint is in place. The kids have grown up. You look at the class of 92. They came into a changing room that had all these real strong backs to the wall sort of characters. So that rubs off. But it obviously gets diluted as it goes on and on and on. Who's the leader in that United changing room right now? Who would you put your money on? You know, if you're in the trenches, who do you want next to you? None of that lot. Mm. No, sadly to say, that is very true. Who would you put your money on there? I mean, I can't, I can't think of one name that sort of springs out at me. I mean, in answer, who's, who's the, the power behind the throne? It seems to me that possibly Bruno Fernandes has got a lot to say about things behind the scenes. I don't know, but um... I got, I got concerns about him. I, th I think that he's going now after that initial season. I, I just got a funny feeling. You must be. He's going to be more trouble than he's worth down the line. You must be so concerned about how he has just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he is so non-existent now. Yeah. Like, alarmingly. Because he showed that he did have it. So where's it gone? Is mm. it just going into Manchester United? Because, like, we've touched on in the in the Bloody Hell podcast that sometimes the players that Matt United have brought in, good, good players. Anyone else would have snapped the hand off to sign him. And possibly it would have worked, you know, if Manchester City had signed Jadon Sancho back, would he yeah. be sort of on 15 assists at the moment? Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> like, Varane, World Cup winning defender. Yeah, OK, he's got his injury concerns and probably that's why Real Madrid let him go. Uh, it just looks a complete shadow going into United. I don't... Really? Even if you signed the right players at the right time, I'm still not convinced they'll go into United start at 11 and perform because everybody just looks so shaky and it rubs off on everybody else. The culture around the place, it's a losing mentality now. There's not, there's that, that thing people used to think that they were 1 0 down before you started playing against United. They're bloody 1 0 up now. And that, that's, 
Brentford, Brighton, whoever. You know, it might take a relegation and an impact. The only that's the only thing I can think that will get the Glazers out of there. If you do, if something happens that something affects extreme, the revenue yeah. stream, that it affects the revenue stream, you know, and and hits them in the pocket because that's all they care about. Is and the other. Th- because they put nothing into the football club. Have you got all. European money this year? Europa, not conference, is that right? Yeah, Europa money. Yeah. So, then again, United, that's, I mean, with, with the wind in the right direction, that's where United are now. They're a Europa League club, if everything goes right. If it doesn't. At best? Yeah, at best. That's the peak you can expect from it. And so I get absolutely no pleasure saying that at all. But, but looking at one, one area of the club that appears to be performing reasonably well, I mean, if you look at some of the players that we've got coming through, um, there seems to be several players, Iqbal, um, Garnacho, uh, uh, Charlie Savage, to name it. Three. Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Um, you know, that part of the club, but it's, it's too... It's too kind of late, isn't it? We need it now. And it brings to the question, do we sort of say, well, you know, this team are just not doing it, so drop a lot of them and change it all around completely? I see now it says... Is that fair on the kids, though? Is that fair on the kids? Well, well I don't know. Because you, you, could, you could absolutely... Because there is two ways of thinking. The fans would like it if you, if you put the kids in because it's something they can get behind. They're more forgiving for the results and whatever. But you could destroy some careers out there. Mm. These lads have got potential, real good potential, and and they could all, you know... Especially with the next game as well, because, like you say, yeah. you want to stick a Charlie Savage in, it gets absolutely overrun against Liverpool, and then that's yep. all people remember because of the size exactly. of the game. Yeah, but that, what, do you not remember, what, do you not, what do we all remember about the last time United played Liverpool? Was Hannibal coming on, putting in four fouls in about five minutes, and that was the highlight of the game from the United point of view? So you put them in a situation where you put those lads in the team now and, and Liverpool will beat most teams in this division by a couple of clear goals easily. As it stands at the moment, United are looking at a four-goal spread, I would think. If it, that's with their strongest team, if you like. If you put the kids in there, what damage does that do to them if they get absolutely battered? They'll never be allowed to forget that. That'll hang over them for the rest of their career and you've ruined so many years... Of, of training and building up to being a pro footballer, you've ruined. I guess there's the shareholder side of things as well, because they'll have an expectation for certain players to play, presumably. Who are, the, who are the shareholders? Well, who are I'm the shareholders one. I'm one. Decisions? Yeah, but not in a sense where it has any actual point in you being a shareholder, mate. Until, as I read somewhere, that until you need a minimum of 25% of the shares not owned by the Glazers for that even to have the slightest scratch in the surface. So what they've offered out, it's nice for people to think that they've got an input into the club, but you haven't. You haven't. Malcolm Glazer's daughter, whatever her name is, who probably doesn't even know who Manchester United are, she's got more influence on the situation than you have, or I have, or any shareholder has. And that's sad. And, of course, it's now come out today that uh, they're going to sell James Garner. Yeah. The now, one thing where's... with all, oh, can he get an opportunity... He's, he's, a proven, he's proven himself at championship level. Uh, uh, and what's he doing? He's Is he going to go back to Forest? Is that the plan? They're or gonna not try, necessarily? They're going to try again. They'll try it again. 
But whether or not they can, I don't know. But they've got 15, they've managed to get 15 players in through the door. Yeah, that's a very good point. If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of this this terrible um atmosphere that, that, that you know attitude that they've got, you've got to get rid of virtually all of them. I mean yeah. I, I mean who can you say that you would think, yeah, I'd I'd keep him at the moment? Well, do you remember when Ralph Rangnick was appointed and everybody, even the people that are crowing now about having left the club? said what an intelligent decision it was. Hopefully United turn the corner, they're making proper decisions. He couldn't get a tune out of this lot. The last few matches of the season, I went up to, it wasn't even the last few matches, I went up to Wolves in January and that was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. But after that, Rangnick said this team needs open heart surgery, which is the truest thing anyone said about a United squad in ages. Where's Ralph now? He was supposed to move upstairs after that uh, season. There's something that doesn't suit, doesn't fit with the owners. He's gone because he told the truth. Yeah. Absolute shambles. It comes from the top. But he, he also went because I don't think he uh, Ten Hag wanted him in that position. But Ten Hag would have been aware of what was on offer with Rangnick while he was negotiating his own contract, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, well, so we don't know what's going on the scenes but I don't think it's a coincidence that somebody that actually comes out and tells the truth about what a shambles United are he's gone no, no. I don't think that's a coincidence at all well no quite and, and, they, and it does need open heart surgery I mean he was dead right when you look at it now have you tried to King's Head at Marriott it's more than just a pub it's a way of life great beers Fantastic atmosphere, extensive locally sourced menu, a wood burner in the winter, regular quiz nights and live music on a Sunday afternoon. Check out our Facebook page for all the news. The King's Head at Marriott. Telephone 01460 78912. Three Valleys Radio's football coverage is supported by The King's Head. Let's, let's start looking at the players. Let's let's go through the team one by one. And I mean, David De Gea, all right, he had the balls to come out and say, "Look, sorry guys, it was my fault. I made a complete ass of myself." But um, well, what else could he say? What else could he say? No, exactly, situation? he couldn't. I mean, but he did make the effort to come out. I suppose trying to, if you like, um, distance himself from the rest of them. But I mean, you know, two so elementary mistakes. I can't, you know. I mean, he used to be a good goalkeeper, didn't he? But, I mean, mistakes, yeah. mistakes then, like that. His standard, his standard slipped. Dean Henderson came back to the club. David De Gea has a decent season. Dave, turn your um, microphone off. <laughs> Dean Henderson has a uh, decent season, and so De Gea is reinstated as number one. Henderson, who admittedly... Loves himself a little bit too much, but he was promised certain things, and he's he's now left the club. What's he done on the weekend? Uh, two contrasting, two United goalkeepers. One saves a penalty in his club's one 0 win on their return to the uh, Premier League, and the other one does what David De Gea did. 
Mm. Oh, you're right. They're both United goalkeepers. Yeah. Both United goalkeepers. Somebody should have had the uh, genitalia to stand up and say, right, De Gea's been on decline for too long. He's the fourth best, third best highest paid player in the club, for Christ's sake. And he's putting in performances that are embarrassing. So who made that decision? They should have cut the losses when they could. If Henderson is going to be whatever, why mess about with the two of them? Make that decision. Because De Gea is not going to get any better. No, he's not. That's for certain. That is for certain. But I mean, you know, I, I would put against Liverpool, I'd put in Tom Heaton, personally. I don't know, what what do you think about that? I, I'd stick with De Gea. He's made this mess. Why why should Heaton come in? What, what, how, how is that? He's, whoever whoever comes in is going to get a bad back from picking the ball out of there. Might as well be De Gea. I'm very much a believer of uh, what in cricket terms we used to call naughty boy nets. If you've messed up, you turn you get the opportunity, you turn it round. Don't run away from it. Man up, face it. De Gea is very much a strange one from the outside looking in because I feel like that every season, for about three months, we say he's the best goalkeeper in the world. The next three months, we said he's had a bit of a stinker. The following three months, he's the worst player. Then he becomes the best player again. It's the inconsistencies that the issue. Yeah. Like I don't really have an issue with Dean Henderson because I'm I'm still not convinced that Dean Henderson is better than De Gea on his day. No. I know he I know he possibly proved it yesterday. Um, I'm referring to the game between Forest and West Ham. Kept a clean sheet and saved the penalty. So eyebrows are always going to raise because stuff like this always seems to happen on the same weekend, doesn't it? One has a shocker and the other one has an absolute blind. But I don't think that's possibly apparent of where they are. If Dean Henderson was as good as everyone says he was, he'd be Man United's number one now. Yeah. I think. Yeah, if there was a clear difference between the two of them, then then you'd do that. Maybe there was more to it when Real Madrid pulled out for De Gea as well. Well, you don't know. Quite possibly, but also mm. there's the fact that this is classic United. If you do want, if you make that decision now, you say right, what we're going to do, we're going to go and we're going to buy uh, Oblak from uh, top. You can't get De Gea. So you don't. Whatever happens, you can't sell him because nobody will match those wages. When United sold Nani eventually, about years and years ago. He moved on to Sporting. As part of that transfer, United paying 70 wages just to get him out the door. This is the way this... And it doesn't matter. I can keep saying this is the way the football will run. It doesn't matter to the Glazers. They really do not care. As long as they're there, they don't care what happens at all. And they're not even bright enough to see that they're damaging their own uh, golden ticket their own meal ticket by doing this all the time. As United are in decline, his returns are going to get less and less. And how much of the debt has been paid off since they, in the years that they've been there? Nothing. All they've done is, is, is um, the interest every year. So they've done nothing. It's true, but, but looking at the players, moving on, let's, let's go through the, the back line. I mean, are there any? I mean, I think this. Maybe the same thing for every one of them. It would be easier to say, who would you keep? Yeah. Out of that back line, who, 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 who is a, a player of the ability appropriate for representing Manchester United? 
because I don't think there is one. Well, I mean, I've, I've already mentioned that, you know, the, the new guy from um, from PSV, um, I thought he was all right. But I mean, as you say, I mean, the rest of them, Maguire seems to have completely lost it. Shaw had a shocking game again. Um, Dallow, well, maybe just marginally better, but there's not an awful lot of uh, end result but in what he does. Him. Or every, every time he gets, every time the ball goes to him in a defensive capacity, there's a mistake in him and you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, but he's not bad when he's pushing forward, I think. But um, but you know, it's, you know, but it's it's the midfield, isn't it? And I mean, that brings us to De Jong. Now, I mean, what is going on there? Surely, I mean, I keep thinking if there, he must have said something, presumably, to Ten Hag, because surely he wouldn't keep chasing a player who's already said, "I don't really want to come to you." And we all know there's this wages issue that's, that's at the back of it. But, I mean, he must have said something for him to continually keep going back for him. Do you not think? I don't know. Apparently, I was listening to uh, podcasts from people who much more about football than I do. And the relationship between Ten Hag and De Jong isn't as close as it seems to have been portrayed. Yeah, he played for him for a couple of years, but they weren't exactly bestest buddies. So I don't understand... If somebody, I mean, and this is a supporter's point of view, if somebody that isn't battering down the door to come and play for your team, you don't want them. If there's any element of doubt and they need convincing, then they're the wrong wrong player to an extent. And I've no doubt, if this turns out that De Jong does come, he'll be totally professional about it and he'll, he'll do a, a decent job. But it's just embarrassing. It's three months of this now. It's yeah. embarrassing. I quite agree. It's embarrassing. It's, it's awful. But, you know, and, and it still goes on, doesn't it? And it's obviously to do hey, with this. Is there, is there, I don't know, I'm just another angle. I just wonder if um, Manchester United, looking at particularly the situation with Barcelona, and regardless if De Jong has said he doesn't want to go, they're just trying to push it to the last final day to see if Barcelona say, well, we don't want to. And then De Jong might just be like, well, OK, I'll have to go to United now because I want to play. So he might, his hand might be forced if that's his only option. And United might just be banking on forcing him into a corner and getting to a point where De Jong might now have to look at United as a viable option. I don't if he know. Leaves, if he leaves Barcelona, he'll go to Chelsea. Just a bigger kick in the teeth as well. Isn't yeah. It? You know, done all the work, and as is uh, typical of Chelsea's uh, transfer dealings this season. If some other team does all the work and Chelsea swoop in at the last minute. And that's what will happen with Dion. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later. Much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. 
At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakeley.com, for more information or call Clive Wakeley on 01935 479913. Uh, who's next? Right, um, who is next? I'll give up. Um, what about this, this uh, Rabio? I mean, I, I, he doesn't sound too particularly brilliant to buy for 16 million, do you? No, wouldn't touch him. Mm. Next. I mean, it's almost desperation takes all the time, isn't it? And then and, and today, J.B. Vardy. I mean, Jamie Vardy? What's he got to offer? Is it, is it, is it 2014, Arnautovic, Jamie Vardy? Yeah. <laughs> Rabbi. You don't have to enjoy this quite so much, Dave. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I was going to say the listeners can't hear, see my grin, but they oh, can probably we, we, hear we it. We can hear it in your voice, mate. Oh, we can hear that. Yeah. No, it's it's all it, it is, you know, it's dreadful. And then of course we come to our friend Ronaldo. I mean, what is going on there? I mean, that is an absolute joke, quite honestly. I I see that he's he's eating alone. Obviously, the the he's not very popular in the team. He did have two or three Do shots. You know the on. Irony? Do you know what the irony of that is? Is he's the one person who's showing some pride in himself some desire to make the situation better. But because of the noises he's made previously, he's ostracised because of it. Yeah, I'm just thinking on that, Rick. Where where do you both sit on that in terms of, would you want your manager to just say, no, stay away, regardless of who you are? You've been an absolute pain all summer. We're in this situation. I understand it's difficult because United are kind of at that point where, you know, there's a lot of talk of, well, if Ronaldo ain't in the team, then possibly even worse than what we might be <laughs> um, at any other given situation. So I just wonder, <laughs> so I just wonder, would you, would you want him to be completely isolated at the moment? Quite happy to see him starting on Sunday. I know it's easy to say this now because of what happened, but well, I remember at the time looking at the team news? I personally think that Ronaldo has got to come out and say, look, I wanted to go. You know the reasons why I wanted to go. But unfortunately, nobody seems to want me because I'm paid an absolute fortune and they can't afford me. So I'm going to knuckle down and I give my all to Manchester United for the rest of my contract. That's what we want to see him do. He won't do it, though, because he's... Ed- but, I mean, unless he knows that somebody wants him that, that we don't know, but it appears that nobody wants him. So he's not going to get Champions League football either way. No. So it's a bit of a futile... Well, it is really, guess. isn't it? You might as well yeah. just knuckle down and say, well, OK, let's win the Europa League, you know. I mean, See a bit of all those strengths that he was supposed to bring with his professionalism, his dedication, his training ethic and all that sort of thing. See yeah. a bit of that. Yeah. Instead of that, all we're seeing is shirts going out the door. Horrible green ones. Um... It's like you could, could. What Come. can you possibly do to make United more of a laughing stock? I know. We'll give them that kit. Yeah. Jeez. 
They don't but, have them sales. But I mean, again, it's another. It's it all goes back to the glazers again, doesn't it? That does the shirt aspect yeah. of it. You know, why yeah. did they buy them in the first place? Because people are buying his shirts all the time. No, it's it's just you know. And the shirt thing's a fallacy anyway, because United only get a certain amount guaranteed. If they expect it's yeah. so it doesn't you know it's not actually helping the, helping the club financially selling more shirts it doesn't make a slightest bit of difference mm. but uh, let's let's move to the to, to the end room as it were we know what the the long term plan has to be selling the club we've got to get the glazers out so we know that but in the short term what can what can we know what the supporters could do. We, we don't go to the Liverpool game. Um, we don't spend money at the club. and We try and hurt them that way. But we want, as a supporter, I want to see United. I don't want to see United bottom of the league. For God's sake, I want them, I want them up there challenging. So what can we, what, what, what can we do to change it? What would you do, Rick? If you, were, if you were Eric Ten Hag now, what would you do? You've taken the money. You've taken the job. You're going to get paid a hell of a lot of money. <clears throat> what are you going to do? How are you going to sort it out now? What are you going to do? I would... I think he's... A couple things... I know it's petty, it's little small-minded things, but getting them back in, making them realise what they are representing and how many people they do represent themselves, because they're not doing themselves any favour. Even if they, they don't like being at United, they don't like the situation there, they're quite happy to take the money... But how many of those players are going to have any sell-on value? You've got to give. Once you've been at United, you're, you're tarnished goods. You virtually give them away. So the only thing they can do... If, I, I think Ten Hag's a decent appointment. But it's talk of uh, it needing two seasons. It, it needs as, at least as long as Fergie had. Because this is a bigger mess than Fergie inherited from Ron Atkinson. This is a bigger, bigger shambles from top to bottom. The, the money that they need to spend on the stadium to get it back up to, to scratch is, is more than anybody could imagine. Then you add on the, the cost of getting players in, the cost of getting players out. This isn't going to happen for another four, five seasons. Unless this guy, Jim Stafford, or whatever his name is, comes in and, and buys it. And the then... the same. The stadium still needs that money spent on it. You've still got blaggers blagging a living. You've still got people that know are very ill-informed about football, making football decisions. That ain't going to change overnight, mate. You're not. You're not going to suddenly. You know, everybody gets a power up of ten percent because a new, a new bloke is uh, signing the checks. It's 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 long term. It's rotten. It's absolutely rotten, and it's a direct representation of that family. Any club in the Premier League now would be in United situation if the Glazers owned them. It's just takes taken longer because they've had more to destroy at United. Mm. They're, they're vile. It, it, it stems from them. It should never have been allowed to happen. And the fact that it continues to happen. The only only thing they'll understand is United getting relegated. Yeah, what a disaster that would be. Doesn't, doesn't bear thinking about, does it? We've got that would, you take a would you take a relegation to get rid of the Glazers? Because I would. Um, I'd rather not, put it that way. But uh, I would. Yeah. I would take that. 
If you're the you'd defender, have to, you'd have to take some stick, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, I get it for the greater good. I understand that. Could it be any worse than this now? United laughing stock is a joke. They'll be in the championship. They're struggling that. There's no guarantee you bounce right back with this lot. No, when it comes back, we've got to get rid of them, haven't we, and get some new ones in. Yeah, but you say that as if that's something that we can physically do. It's, it, it's only circumstances that are going to... As long as, the, as long as they can still take their dividend out of the club, they have absolutely no interest in Manchester United being a successful football club. All they're interested in is taking that money out. And as long as that money is available to take out every year, they won't go anywhere. Well, let's assume for a minute then that if that's the case, that money's going to become more and more um, harder to get uh, if this situation continues. Because yeah. crowds, yeah. crowds going to go down. We're not in television so much, so we won't get so much European money. All that sort of thing. So, I mean, surely they must be asking themselves the question, of, what do we do? Where do we go? Don't you think? They must be. But as, like I say, as long as... Twenty million out of the club. As long as that's still that, that's that dividend is the only barometer that they they work out the success whether United are a success or not. And as long as that's there, to their mind, it's a successful entity because it provides them with that money every year. Until it affects that money, they ain't going anywhere. Mm. And United will continue to fall further and further behind everybody else in the Premier League and in English football. They've got the worst owners you could possibly, possibly imagine. And this would happen to any club that had these people in charge of it. So it's, it's not really uh, all the criticism that Manchester United get. Manchester United are just the vehicle for the business acumen of this bunch of grifters. Yeah, you're right there, Rick. You are definitely right there. But the short term is what we're talking about to a degree. What could we do in the short term to get things right? I mean, I wonder, you know, if you're a Man United supporter, a player rather, are you going to be impressed having to run eight and a half miles on a Sunday? No. So one would hope that they would at least, you know, change their attitude so they don't have to run eight and a half miles on a Sunday. Well, that's the most basic under nines football thing in the world, but you still can't get it through to this lot. Mm. No. What do you do? What, what do you do? Well, that's as, it. Again, Roy, as Roy King said, a leper doesn't change his spots. These are the players that let down Mourinho, they let down Ollie, they let yeah. down Ralph Brightnick, and they're doing exactly the same thing. This current bunch, there's very little about them. There's very little on any individual level to commend anyone. Yeah, no, it's a sad, sad situation, that is for certain. So, um, and Dave, I can tell how sad it is by the big smile on Dave's face. It's that sad. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking. I was thinking it's a sad, sad situation. Exactly what Elton John said. Was it yeah. Elton yeah. John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. And you're going to be chuffed, I suppose, on on Monday night. But we'll see. Maybe not. Ever, uh, got, ever the optimist, me. Put, if, if Liverpool put five, six past United on Monday, the general reaction to that will be. It's not a big thing anymore. It's not a big game. It's a walkover. Yeah, I almost feel like as a Liverpool supporter that if Liverpool win 2 0, 
that will be seen as not yeah. good enough. That'll be a disappointment, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we will watch the situation closely as the season progresses. We will. Um, but as I say, me, ever the optimist, 50, 57 years I've had of it. I remember Dennis Law back healing us back into the second division, or what was then the second that division. Didn't actually, that didn't relegate it. No, I know it didn't, but it, uh, it's, sort of, it's always associated with it, isn't it? You know? But yeah, uh, it's a you're, you're right, it wasn't. It was other results that, that put us down, but at the yeah. end of the day. But nonetheless, it's, it's the one little sort of, you know, it's the, the picture in your mind that you can remember. And the thought of going down that route again, I mean, honestly, just doesn't bear anything. And I think, you know, I think one of the things that these players don't understand, they don't understand what people like you and I think, how we feel when we have to sit there and watch a game like that uh, you know, my team getting stuffed 4-0 by Brentford. Brentford, all right, not the same team as we played, he overplayed in the championship playoff, but but nonetheless, you know, it's it's just unthinkable. Sad. And we haven't really come up with any real conclusions, have we, in this little hour pro programme? Well, that's the main question that's being asked at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a million-dollar question. Good, the only good to come out of this situation is the fact that people who didn't realise the severity of the ownership of United are suddenly realising that that's where it comes from. It's, it's putting the whole situation in the spotlight, which is, which is the one positive to come out of it. But that's a very long-term view of the club. In the short term, there's nothing that can be done. It's mm. sticking plasters on, on a wound. Enjoy the little triumphs. Enjoy, enjoy the victories. United managed to beat Fulham in a few weeks' time. Might be the highlight of the season. But until this lot go, it, it, it will continue to get worse. It's not even as if United have gone up and down since they've been in charge. It's been a continual downward, downward slope, which is a representation of their ownership. Yeah. So this could actually have been the short. This could have been the shortest podcast in the world, mate. What's wrong with United? The glass next week, because <laughs> that's the same situation now as it was an hour ago. Yeah, no, yes, but we did try, and we got it off us, got it off our backs a little bit, didn't we? But I mean, at the end of the day, nothing has changed. Um, is this what is this what this has been? Have I been your therapist? Counselling the last hour. Mm. Yeah, that's what it's been. I don't ever see you as a therapist, Dave. I'm afraid, but um, no, I would agree with that. Dave, Dave, the listeners of Football Bloody Hell, thank you. Because this means this is not a conversation we have to dominate. Yeah, we can just sort just, of dip just, our just, toe in. We talk about the other teams. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. the non-Glazer own teams. All those lovely people. I'll tell you what, though, it's 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 a, a worrying situation when you look at Dave, because we're on Zoom, and we look at Dave, and in the background is there's a bloke with a his tie not done up properly, grinning, grinning a big big picture. It makes me wonder what you get up to in your bedroom, David. <laughs> Mr. Klopp's standing there looking over you. I don't know about that. It's a bit, that Whatever is... happens in that room is under the uh, watchful gaze of Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I, exactly. I, lit I literally don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I think it's best that you don't even try, you... quite honestly. I can, I can confirm there's nothing untoward that happens with uh, myself and Jurgen in this room. You turn him to face, face the wall. Yeah, I think you could have turned it around for this duration of this programme, really, but there we go. These things happen. Well, look, guys, thanks very Enjoy much for, for allowing us to vent our spleens and um, 
get a little bit off of uh, off of our backs, but it's a difficult one, and uh, quite where we're going to go with it, I really don't know. So, and just a quick one for the listeners: this has been on Zoom, and we've had a few little blips where the Zoom signal has gone a little bit strange. So we're sorry about that. If you if you uh, if it's sport your entertainment, is it entertainment? Probably not. But there we go. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Rick. And um, no worries, mate. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. And in the meantime, keep listening to Three Valleys Radio.